iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Wine Times, the podcast brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club with me, Mikita Oliver. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times Wine Columnist and Vice President of the Sunday Times Wine Club. And this show, Will, is quite fantastically all about wine. Red, white, rosé, sparkling. Italian, French, Australian, South African. And all the rest. That's right. This series, we're going to be tasting our way through those tannins, which you're going to explain to me what that means later on. I, really I will. Because I really don't know. <laughs> and we won't be doing it alone. No, not at all. Who do we have, Will? Oh, you can't do it alone. So, no, so every episode, we'll be joined by a well known guest for some good wine, good times, and good conversation. This is like so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the wines featured in this episode and all others are available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. I mean, I love them. They sent me a huge case of wine already. So, I love them. So, whether you're an expert with a broad palette or you just tend to stick to the house stuff in this show you're sure to find something that will suit your taste we're here in the wonderful Wadadley kitchen it's beautiful it's just beside the river lee in london's hackney wick it's owned by the incredible vivacious stunning talented broadcaster and chef andy oliver who is a wonderful woman she's also my mother yes she's my mother Talking and slurping with Makita and myself today will be Isha Guha, the World Cup winning cricketer and now fabulous commentator and broadcaster. Isha made her international debut at just 17 years old, becoming the first British South Asian woman to represent England. She went on to win the World Cup, the Ashes, and was ranked as the number one bowler in the world. These days, Isha is still never too far away from the crease and can be seen presenting for some of cricket's biggest competitions from the IPL, the 100, and will be off this winter for the first Ashes series since the pandemic. Isha Guha, what have you been told Um, is going to happen? Not much, but a bit of wine tasting, which I'm always up for, so... I'm, um, I'm, I'm down with that. ridiculously excited because it marries my two primary passions of life, cricket and wine. Oh, this so, is a big day for you, uh, Will. I can, yeah. <laughs> this is a could really be, could be. quite a lovely day for you. And, and when do you drink wine? Because you are a sports person by profession. It's not, um, it's not that allowed, is it? Well, I mean, when I was playing, so I retired 10 years ago. So I have had a lot of time to enjoy <laughs> some wine. Is that all you've done? <laughs> since, pretty much. Since retirement. Um, even when I was playing, we were sort of semi-pro. So there, there was still time to indulge when we wanted to. Not, not on tour necessarily, right. but maybe the last night. or. And I guess 
as you get older, you kind of appreciate wine a bit more. So I've been very fortunate to have travelled around the world and Australia, New Zealand in particular, and have been able to taste some pretty cool wines there. And I wouldn't say that I'm a wine connoisseur, but um, I do know what I like. So, yeah, um, yeah, we've been fortunate to have some amazing experiences. I just think that the whole beauty of cricket is that it's played in, the, in the, well, A, the most beautiful country in the world, but in these amazing sort of wine-producing countries. Right. We start with England, you've got South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. So you do have, even in, even India, um, India now has yeah, around... Yeah, India sort of does have a bit of wine. It's not, um, I think they still outsource quite a lot. Yeah, it's a sort of burgeoning, isn't yes. it? It's, a, it's around Mumbai, isn't it? Yeah. There, there used to be in the 80s, although I'm too young to remember this, a very famous Indian sparkling wine mm. called Omar Khayyam. That I think hit the London market in sort of 81, 82. Right. And it became a sort of cult thing. But I've never tracked down a bottle. But I have had I have had a few bottles of Indian of Indian wine. See, this is what I mean. We don't have to be wine connoisseurs. Will's here. Okay. okay. Will's the connoisseur. Are you a wine person? I like, like wine. wine, and you know I've been uh, on this journey of wine with Will for uh, a while now, and. Um, I don't know. People keep going to me. Go on. What have you learned? I'm like, I don't know. I like this and I don't like this. <laughs> so you know what you like. I know what yeah. I like, yeah, and no, I think that's, that's where you start. Well, the most important thing is is, is your opinion. I can mm. sort of gently steer you in the direction of good wines. Um, and I think I mentioned um, last week. It's, Oz Clark said, you know, all wine vocabulary is borrowed. So right. I have chosen the wines today, and we've rejigged the wines so they're from countries that that play cricket. And fortunately, we are now living through the great English wine boom of the 21st century. So we actually have, you know, pretty decent wine here in England. Yeah, this is, I mean, I keep reading about this mm. and, and I have to say the case is quite strong. Well, the, 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 is the, that the, climate change? It's three things, I think. So it's climate change is helping, but it's not, it's, I think um, Olivier Bernard at Domaine de Chevalier in Bordeaux calls it climate chaos. But it's, uh, it's, Believing that we can do it, supplanting the right grape varieties on the right site, a lot of um, improvements in viticulture, by which I mean inward investment and just doing things well. And then we do have this sort of similar soil to um, uh, Champagne as well. And the climate certainly has helped. What we have in England, and this is interesting for cricket, I think, we have, if you look at it compared to Champagne, we have warmer Septembers and October than they do in Champagne but cooler August and July. Right. So I've long said that we should be playing cricket into... Well, I've said that this year. Yes. Because we always go down... So my husband's from Cornwall, so we always go down there in October, and it's the last three years it's still been quite warm. Wow. But all the cricketers are saying, no, no, we can't play in October. But they play in April, which is freezing. Exactly. And we have glorious Octobers. And and, and the, the sort of English harvest is at the end of October. So you always want this wonderful Indian summer where it gets yeah. sort of two or three. But I've always thought you could play test matches in September and then the county games in October. I'm absolutely with you. I'm going to take should. it back, Will. I was <laughs> going to say you've got like a whole infrastructure there. <laughs> but use that stat. Say, you know, we I have will. warmer September and October than they do in Champagne. Okay. Right, so we are in Buckinghamshire, above the town of Marlow, which is quite near where you're from, isn't it? Yeah. And um, this is Harren Hope, planted by Henry Lathwaite. It's their rosé. I actually think it's one of a handful of English sparkling wine producers that are really in the top tier, the Premier League. I've taken off the foil. Now, I was going to say that once you take off this cage, it becomes sort of live, as it were, and this cork can actually get up to 
well, it sounds like Back to the Future, doesn't it? It gets up to about 80 miles an hour. But the, the, why, why this, why the this? pressure on here, because you've got CO2. <laughs> yeah, now we're just moving out the way. But the pressure on here is like a sort of... Um, yeah, but uh, I'd be, di- on, uh, you know, the, I'd be the, disappointed the, the, now. The same as a tyre on a double-decker bus. The trick is just to hold the cork and yeah. twist the bottle, and then it won't fly off. No, go bottle. on, let it fly! Okay, go on then. Here we go. Go on. Oh! Formula One style. I think I can see a little dent in the ceiling. It's like it's, it's only my mum's restaurant. Oh, so. I have actually done that before unintentionally at home, and I left this massive hole in the ceiling. Did you tell? It, did you tell anyone? Uh, no. No, my goodness. Now I'm pouring it out. As you can see, the white, mm. the, what you might call the head—that's the mousse. It's pure white. I love and this colour. Well, this sort of yeah, the really rosé colour. Um, so Henry Lathwaite, he planted this in 2010. They've got six and a half hectares, and their big problem there is these late. Going back to climate change, we get these sort of unusual marches now in April, where you get these heat waves, and then you get the late frost come in May. So all the vines that they burst, and the the um, frost comes along, and it can kill them all. Okay, they do regrow, but it's a big problem. So what Henry does is he gets these little candles, which he buys from France, and he lights them between the vines, and it raises the temperature, and he, f- and he sort of fends off all the frost. The, fir- the first year he did it, though, you may have seen it was in the newspaper, because Thames Valley Police were called out, because everyone thought there was this huge fire. <laughs> well, and he was like, no, I'm just tending to yeah, my grapes. I know. Oh, but, um, oh, but by the way, these candles are quite expensive as well. So. Right. Well, um, this looks... I love this sort of... Mm, the jewel colour of it. It's sort of yeah. orangey, pinky. It's just, it so looks like a really, like, exciting... Ooh, and it's got that sort of toasty... Do you know when you're at Lord's and they, you hear the popping of the court? Yeah. It's always about it 12 o'clock. Yeah, 11 o'clock in the morning, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting something very familiar in the smell, Well, Well, it's a, it, the, the, so the blend is Pinot Noir, Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier, the mm. three great varieties of champagne. Um, and they put a little bit of Pinot Noir in to give it that, that, that colour as well. What I like about this is you could imagine this with food, couldn't you? Mm. You know, even something so simple like smoked salmon on brown bread. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think definitely with fish. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And what sort of... T- so you said that, you know, on tour, probably not a great idea to, um, to be indulging in wine. But, but when would you have had a really good glass of wine on, yeah. the, on the road? Um Generally, when I'm working, if it's a test match, I I find that I can't work on a hangover. Even yeah. just two glasses of wine is enough for me. No, I Although I have found a cure. Oh, really? The following day, yeah. What's that? Dioralite. <laughs> so that's, what is that? that we it's... used to do that at university. <laughs> <laughs> I've only discovered this in the last six months. Isha, so... is this... No, you get it at boost. Isha, is this you some weird... <laughs> teenager <laughs> hack to get over a hangover what is what is direct light it's like a it replenishes your salts when you're when you've got a bad tummy yeah so mm. we we've had it quite a lot when we've been to india yeah and uh it's <laughs> so funny we as undergraduates we used to drink that a lot and it comes in blackberry flavor doesn't it yes. yeah to get rid of your hangover yeah, yeah because, okay. because it because yeah. it replenishes everything yeah that is um, such a shout thank you but you know the it's old, been a game changer is there no drinking it uh, on Test Match Special at all now, probably not. Is no, it? I've heard stories of about, the past. About yeah, John Arlo. Yeah, they used to know. have a couple of glasses before all, the game. It, during the game. <laughs> during the game. Yeah. During the commentary, they'd be they'd be drinking and yeah. commentating. And of course, now you can get everything on YouTube, 
and you see that it's it is it's a much better mm. quality product now. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think it improved the broadcast. We all have these romantic connotations of the old days, but I know everyone yeah. was just like a little bit squiffy <laughs> doing their job. Um, but the culture of cricket now, I mean. We were talking about the sort of difference in different sports fields, and is there a culture for going out and you know sort of going to parties and things like that? I feel like cricket cricketers just have good dinners. They do, and I think the kind of professional era that they've moved into don't really go out as much. Yeah. You know, they, they will st- still find time to kind of enjoy themselves for sure, um, but it's it's generally not as much as they used to. You know, yeah. the older generation, so Ian Botham, who you would know, well, yeah. Back then they had test matches, but they would have a day off in the middle of a five-day test match. So night two, they'd go out. The next day, they'd go to one of the players' houses for a barbecue. So it would be fairly fairly yeah. casual and relaxed. Lovely, and but that kind of scheduling doesn't exist anymore. You don't no. get that nice little break in the middle. No, no. Mm. they should reintroduce it. I remember chatting to David Gower about one of his tours in the 80s, and he said it was marvellous. You, you know, if you had a day off and you're playing at the Adelaide Oval, you just go out to mm. the sort of... Barossa Valley mm. for a day. It was always like, oh, but, 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 but that's but the, the other thing you're in. It's moved from a game to a sport, hasn't it? So it's all changed. Yeah. And, and what yeah. do you think of this wine? Because it's it's a mm. it's a rosé, and I actually would never say that I would like a sparkling rosé, but I think this is one of the nicest rosés I've ever had. Yeah, it's not it's not sweet, but it's not mm. it's not too sharp either. It's sort of it's got a really lovely. Quite I mean, it does taste like champagne. That's a very good observation because I was I showed this at a tasting recently. There's a real wine geek there, and he's like, what's the residual sugar? Because it is quite difficult to work out, is it? Because it's almost like, um, it's got that apple character that all English sparkling wine has, as opposed to champagne has more toasty, brioche character. But it's got those small red berries as well, and I just think this is, I'm just imagining this. <gasps> Do you know what? That's why I love it. You know what? It tastes English. Yeah. That's why I yeah, like yes, it. I suppose it does. I, I, I get that more of a sort of apple orchard rather than yeah. sort of like the sweet richness of a, of a French wine. I really like this, Will. So I, I almost think we're in the third phase of English wine. So the first phase was sort of 1950 to 1995, 96, where it's hobby farmers, people like um, Bernard Theobald, who had a, he had a vineyard in Purley near, um, on, on the banks of the Thames. And he likened the climate of Reading to Bordeaux. No, <laughs> surely um, not. But I think he was a bit ahead of his time. And then in, at, the, at the back end of the 90s, we started saying, well, why don't we just make wine in the same style as they do in France, in, in um, uh, Champagne, and we'll plant Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. And suddenly we had this incredible you know, boom, and we are living through, as I said, the great English wine boom. And um, where are they mostly? 21st. So they're mainly Sussex, yeah. Hampshire, and Dorset. And Sussex has led the way, and of course, uh, um, Buckinghamshire and Wales. Mm. But I think as we learn more about where the good sites are, Hampshire is really emerging as a place where there's world-class sparkling wine. Actually, Hamilton, the home of cricket, the cradle oh, of cricket, wow. the, 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 there is a vineyard there called Hamilton. Um, and Dorset, if you look at the heat maps, I think just around sort of, you know, the sort of old mayor of Casterbridge area. Sort of, so, so you're west of Bournemouth, Dorset, there, they, they make good wine. And, and, and now, so the, 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 the third phase is sort of still wine. Can we make good still wine? Mm. We have a great variety that we grow called Bacchus, which is really spring-like. It's, it's almost like an English New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because... Um, it sort of has this sort of elderflower, cucumber, really aromatic, and then high acidity. 
And then there are a few examples where we do Chardonnay quite well. But the problem we have is we have um, very bad weather yes. more often than not. So, yes. okay, 2018, which this rosé is from, was from that glorious summer. That glorious summer, so it, it's perfect. But this year's been challenging, you know, so we get two tough growing seasons every decade. And Isha, your husband's Cornish. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone to Cornwall to spend time with the family and, and indulged in the local wine? Yes. Whereabouts in Cornwall? It's, it's St Ives. Oh. Uh, yes, there's Polgoon. Yes, there. Polgoon, yes. And um, Camel Valley Bob. Okay, yeah, I haven't yeah. had that one. But I've definitely had the Polgoon. Yeah. And, yeah, we, we go down, well, because of work, probably twice a year. Rich obviously goes down a lot more. Yeah. But it is. We were lucky. So we went two weeks ago. So I was saying, middle of October. Yeah. And it was like eighteen degrees. Yeah. And we had and people swimming the sea. And yeah. Yeah. People. Pe- I mean, people get into the sea in the winter. Yeah. They, even when it's cold in Cornwall, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're a bit mad down there. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. Remember, the wines featured in this episode and all others are available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books. Contacts calendar double tap to open breakfast with anna from 10 to 11 and get on with your day accessibility there's more to iphone hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're now going to where we always seem to go on this podcast. We're flying to the other side of the world to New Zealand. Yay! Now, New Zealand has a great, as you know, a great cricket culture. And we were in, we're actually in Marlborough, but up in Hawke's Bay, there's this lovely cricket ground, you know, called the Clifton County Cricket Club. I don't, I don't know uh, it, no. Just by Elephant Hill Vineyard, overlooks um, uh, the South Pacific near Hawke's Bay. Wow. And I thought, yeah, it's just beautiful. And I was there on a wine tasting trip, actually, and we we're going through this little track, and then we suddenly emerged. And it almost looks like an English British um, sort of uh, uh, cricket ground. But we have today, we've done Pinot Noir on the podcast. A banker. We've done Chardonnay. I feel that we must do the absolute banker of wines mm. a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I know it's it's, it's not one the of critic. my faves. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's just so classic and, and uh, reliable. Mm. I find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could, know could, what you're getting with that. Could you describe it as the T20 of 
of wine, or is that a bit derogatory, is it? Or the hundred? By the way, I, I love the hundred. So my little boy, he loves cricket, he loves playing, but he doesn't really get into watching it until the hundred. And then he became, over the summer, he became obsessed with it. Mm. Had the app and everything. And what I loved about it, it was on every night. And at six o'clock, he turned it on, well, I turned it on for him. Then I decided what I was going to drink with it. So yeah. you pour yourself a drink, get on WhatsApp, see what your friends are drinking. And we followed, I don't think I watched every game. So what was your wine of choice when you were drinking to Oh, when well, I was drinking, I was going through a real white wine phase in the summer. So I was drinking these really sort of high, really vibrant, lots of acidity, like Picpoul de Pinay. And, oh, yes. Um, I didn't play the game where you could marry it to who was playing, you know, I could have had a... <laughs> Um, is that something you do, is it? Yeah, well, okay. I, I do it with all... all, 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 all. Yeah. It works with football as well. So if you have a football World Cup... It all started, actually, so this is going off on a tangent. In France, 98, when I went to the football, and we realised we, we, we could taste wine from each of the regions where the games were being played and against the team. So if it's Italy... Um, you know, Italy v Spain, you can have Rioja versus Barolo. Oh my god, I love that, <laughs> Will. That's good. So, and you can do that with cricket. England v Australia. We need to get this have... happening in the summer. Absolutely. Do it for the ashes. So when you see a sort of chilled Sauvignon Blanc, are you like, that's my wine? It's a banker, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And you know, it's funny because wine critics sometimes get a bit snobby about it because it's, you know, like people get snobby about the 100. I mean, I'm the biggest old fogey cricket fan. I love the 100. And, you know, it's been the most successful grape in England for the last 30 years. Everyone loves it. I can't, I haven't really... Do you think people, do you think it's just such a classic people feel it's boring? One dimensional. It did have a real moment in the 80s. It was sort of what white wine was. Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Um, you've obviously spent so much time in New Zealand. Do, does if you drink a glass of Sauvignon Blanc, does that immediately take you back to the memories and the yeah, times you've had there? That's a good question, actually. Um, just that part of the world, New Zealand and Australia. I think being over there and yeah, I've, I've literally spent that much time out there from playing to to now commentating. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, just spending that time over in New Zealand. I, I've done two tours there. And it's just such a beautiful place to to experience. I mean, I'd love to actually go back and do the South Island properly because right. I've heard that it's just absolutely stunning. And yeah. it kind of, this marries up with that kind of fresh feel that you that you get when you're out there and, and getting to ha- see all these incredible views. And it's very similar sort of to what you would get here in the UK probably, yeah. but just probably a bit more vast. Yes. And it's got, it's got that wonderful luminosity, hasn't it? So if you go to the Southern Hemisphere, you probably go in the winter. We always try and go into the winter. So you leave, you leave sort of Heathrow, it's grey and, you know, gunmetal skies. And then you fly all the way down. You, may, you might stop over at Hong Kong or something. And then you get to Auckland, then you fly down to Blenheim, and you get out and you're blinking because the, the light is so bright. Mm. And it's like you stepped into summer. It does take 24 <laughs> hours, though. It does, <laughs> it takes does, a long time. does take quite a while. But I think, I think Blenheim has, I've got it written down, I think London has on average 1,500 hours of sunshine a year. And Blenheim, where this is grown, in Marlborough, tip of the, tip of the South Island, has 2,500 hours. Mm. And there's lots of, there is that there that there is a particular fruit, if you, if you want to play the, I can identify a flavour in this wine. Oh, God, grapefruit. grapefruit. There is a oh. bit of grapefruit, but, wow. it's a, but you want the right lines. There's a, there's a citrus fruit there. Is it? Mm. I was say it's cl- on the tip of your tongue, isn't it? I was going to say clementine, but I think I'm wrong. It's lime. Oh, and my God. And you get God. lime a lot in Sauvignon Blanc. That is, I love yeah. that about a Sauvignon Blanc because actually I can, cannot stand a sweet white wine and to, to, to not only keep it crisp and fresh but to lime it up, yeah. that's so up my street. 
I think, who was it described? It may have been Oz Clark in it, you know, likened saving your blog almost to a gin and tonic. Yes. Because it has that, you know, at the moment, my, the sides of my mouth are watering. <laughs> and, um, oh. But it's almost like you want a glass of it, not... Yeah, Isha and I have decided to not spit this one. You <laughs> don't want the whole bottle. It's far too lovely. And what would you pair with that? I mean... The... I'd, I'd have it with, like, snapper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like, idea. crisp fish on the barbecue. Yes. Oh. Like they do in Australia. I reckon I would definitely have that, a glass of that with... My mum used to make the most amazing prawn curry. Yeah. So I reckon... Slightly sweet? Has a bit, bit of sweetness in the curry. Yeah, yeah a tiny yeah. bit of sweetness, yeah. Ugh, always. Sounds great. But mind you, I mean, after a day's broadcasting, if someone hands you that, I mean, that's... Yeah, delightful. no, you know what? This is, it. This is very end of day. It really right? is, isn't Oof, it? Because it, you kind of go... Ah. Or, or I like to say, opens up the evening. Right, wow. <laughs> God. And who knows where it will end, Isha, when it comes to Will. <laughs> and have you been to many wine regions? Yeah, so oh, wow. yeah. we wanted to do the Barossa yeah. properly last year, but didn't get an opportunity to. Um, been to the Hunter Valley. Yes. And also, so my cousins actually just moved to Orange, which is about two and a half hours from Sydney up into the hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. They, they have a lot of independent yeah. wineries, so they don't sell them in bulk around the world. Yeah. Um, and randomly, um, I went to stay with a friend in Czech, and in a place, tiny little village called Copperley. And it's one of their things to kind of, they don't necessarily sell the wine, but it's a bit of a thing that they make wine at home and then everyone kind of goes around everyone's yeah. houses at the weekend. What, just, delivering it to each other? Just just like try it out that's and so test so it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the that's word. And have you, are, you, are you going down for the ashes? You are, aren't you? That's the plan, yeah. So I was thinking just an hour outside of Melbourne. MCG, you drive past the MCG because it's on the wine route always, so you get to the Mornington Peninsula mm. and the gum trees and the Yarra Valley. Oh, yeah, but I want to go oh. with you, Will, because I, I need know. you to describe it all as and I we see can it. do a hot air balloon wine. Have you done that? I have in I Sydney, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like it. I, mean, I didn't like it at all. I was like, this is so dangerous. Did you do one? Yeah, but like in Ibiza and it was oh, okay. <laughs> But still. <laughs> I had to do one over the yard. We were filming, it was in my contract. And I thought, do you think I should say that I'm too nervous? Anyway, I didn't. And then the day before, there was a storm. And I was saying, no, to everyone, uh, it's not going to happen, is it? They're like, no, definitely not. And we get picked up at four o'clock. And the pilot's like 17. And we're in the back of the Land Rover. And I said to him, so um, what's it going to be like? He goes, well, hey, guys, just listen up. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be pretty rocky out there. <laughs> <laughs> this, guy goes, like, this guy can't sugarcoat anything, can he? No, and then you're in the sky <laughs> in a basket. Yeah. A woven and basket. And you go higher than the And the you shark. go, exactly. I always think the fire's going to go through the, uh, the, the balloon bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the the material you. in the balloon. I'm yeah. always like, it's definitely going to blow a hole and through they, there. I'm sure hot air balloons need like a sort of new health and safety look at them. But it's <laughs> great to get a sense of space and the perspective of the vineyards. And, yes. And everything else. Oh, oh, that's what you did a hot air balloon over. That's yeah. beautiful. And you see the aspect of the vineyard and where the, you know, where the particular vines get the morning sun and the evening sun. And, the, wow. yeah. okay. and I saw the kangaroos hopping around. Right? Oh, that does sound quite beautiful. <sighs> Wonderful. Wine number three. Well, we're not going too far from where we are. So we're in the tip of the, of the South Island. We're going over to the Barossa Valley. So we're oh. about an hour, aren't we, northeast of the Adelaide Oval. Isha, you said you nearly made it mm. over there, but didn't quite. Okay, well, this is us taking you there. And Thank you. The only way we know how. <laughs> We've been trying to do it for the last three years, and there's always something that gets in the way. So, 
Well, this is a slightly counterintuitive, my favourite uh, expression about wine. You think of the Barossa Valley, you think of big, heavy reds, don't you? They're really luscious. They're sort of Shiraz. They go with red meat. They go with things on the barbecue. I, I actually have to admit, I don't particularly like that. I mean, I do like them, but I don't, it's not my, not my style of choice. Um, I tasted this the other day at the Sunday Times Wine Club, and it's on the Barossa. It's made by uh, Redheads, and it's completely different. It's lighter, so you get notes of red fruit, not dark fruit, maybe raspberries. So the, the winemaker for this uh, red wine, Alex Triscothic, actually, um, he says you get that lightness through not much sort of early bottling and minimum extraction. But I'm just, as I'm listening to you, I'm just sort of sipping away. And it really is, it's almost like a Southern Hemisphere Beaujolais. Isn't it? Sometimes I feel like Pinot Noir can be too light, so I quite like mm. that this is grounded in mm. something else. Brings it back down a bit. Gives it that weightiness. There is actually um, a cricket pitch in Bordeaux, and there's a cricket club. And yeah, so, so, in the south. Yeah, so, but, but Bordeaux is the world's largest um, fine wine region, and it's in the grounds of Chateau uh, Giscourt on the left bank. And um, there's a lot of overseas Dutch players that play, and I've actually seen that there used to be a big cricket match. So every April you go down for a week. And it's called the On Premier Week, and you taste all of the chateau, open their doors, just to professionals. Well, I say professionals, but, you know, wine economists, critics, and importers. And on the Sunday, so that starts 8 o'clock Monday morning, but on the Sunday, there always used to be a game between the wine trade and the Bordeaux Cricket Club. Oh, fun! At Chateau G School, yeah. So they really have to start at 8 a.m.? Yeah, so the, and, and by the way, 8 a.m. is 7 a.m. UK time mm-hmm. because it's when the clocks go forward. I mean, and you're, and you're tasting barrel samples. No, I'd have <laughs> to say far that. too early. I'm sorry, that is far too early. But I think a big part of what I love about listening to cricket is you all talk about food a lot and where you've gone for dinner and curries. And, and that's, a, that's a big part of it, isn't it? It is, yeah. And radio, there is a tendency to be able to go off topic a lot more than you would on television because... Yeah. When you when you're working on television, you have to stick to the action because everyone's watching it. And you, so if you if you veer off too much, you know I think people get annoyed. But that's what I love about working for Test Match Special is the ability to when it's a a relatively slow period, you can kind of bring the stories out and you can go off on a tangent yeah. and talk about what you had for dinner the night before. And last year we were in um, we got stuck in a bubble, so to, to be able to get cricket on. We, as broadcasters, had to be in a bubble, so we were going between Manchester and Hampshire. Yeah. And so to pass the time, obviously, after a day's play, when we had days off, you know, we set up, like, table tennis tournaments and... Um, I can't remember what else we had there, but like we were, we were trying to entertain ourselves by doing that, um, and so there was always something to talk about. Um, and then towards the, the latter end of the summer, I think there were a few more kind of debauched evenings. Didn't Alistair cook? Well, Sir Alistair, didn't he mess up the curry order? How do you know because that? I, I was, and I tell you, a lot, of, a lot of the wine trade listened to TMS. And when you go to the test matches, mm. doors over, uh, you see tons of the wine trade there. Just an excuse for them to just open a few bottles, I think. I quite like that those two worlds mix, though. That's no, nice. it is. It makes it work, yeah. And what do you think about women's cricket and its, and its sort of rise? It's quite exciting. Yeah, it's, it's something I feel just, I don't know, like a proud mum or something, um, having been involved in cricket for such a long time. 
I retired 10 years ago and I've been able to see this kind of transition from us who became semi-pro. So for a long time there, it was amateur, you know, former players were having to pay for their own flights and pay for their own kit to go and play in World Cups and so forth. And now to see it transition into this professional era where the girls are actually getting paid properly to play is wonderful. And and I, so I sit on the board of the Professional Cricketers Association. So I'm kind of, in my mind, I'm always leaning on the side of there's always more that can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you're always trying to get that balance right of, well, actually we have moved forwards in in quite significant ways in the last 10 years, you would say. And I do think that there's a real there's a real change coming in terms of investment in women's sport. Um, firstly, you need the numbers and you need the visibility on, on television and, and radio. Um, those numbers are actually coming. So I think sponsors are seeing it as an opportunity now um, to get involved and support these these teams, which is great. So, Yeah, giving real value to it. And- Absolutely. I think that's the next step for the women's game, to be honest. And, you know, we've we've got... A number of girls now who are recognisable to your Joe Blogs, and mm. you know, ten years ago you probably knew maybe one or two names. Now you probably know five or six. But but the hundred was great for that, I'll say, because you had the women's game before the men's game, so you watch them both. Yeah. And certainly for someone like me, you know, my, my, my little boy, he, he doesn't think there's anything unusual about it. Yeah. So it's great for that whole new audience going to it. Yeah, you want to get to a point where it's all normalised. So yeah. it's You know, it's nothing different to, to anyone yeah, totally and, and that's the same in commentary and, and broadcast as well could you ever have a mixed game um yeah i'd like to think so i've actually suggested something whereby it's a mixed tournament for under 13s yeah. and there's no reason why I, it can't happen i mean when you get to the age of 14 15 that's where the, the boys tend to pull away with their strength yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah i think there'd be a huge audience for that well that's only me thinking of. Will's got Speaking. a lot of ideas for cricket. He's <laughs> got a lot of plans for cricket. Um, obviously, it's the Men's uh, T20 World Cup going on right now. Who is going to Ooh. win that, do you think? It's Isha? so open. The shorter the game gets, the more it brings yeah. other teams into it. So we've already had a couple of shock defeats early on in the tournament, but... If I was going to pick I was going to say, have you given us an answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's part of my job to kind of sit on the fence and kind of <laughs> not have an opinion. I have a request. I think on TMS, when you talk about what you, when you go out for supper, you should talk about the wines that you drank. If you drink wine, actually. You may not yeah, drink wine. Yeah, so I'm always unsure about how much wine I can talk about exactly. during the day on Test Match Special. Yeah, whether it's appropriate. I mean, me and Phil every now and then will <laughs> divulge yeah. what kind of drinks we like to have. <laughs> but we did, during the World Cup two years ago, I think, so at the Oval... Where the commentary box is positioned, there's actually a window to our left, and beyond that, um, spectators can actually sit down. So we were on air during one of the games, and someone actually um, passed a glass of champagne oh, through the window so we could have it on air, which, I mean, that was ideal. For yeah, me, that's but. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. Uh, well, it was lovely to sit with you today and, and to, uh, to drink lots of lovely wine and learn from you, Will, as always. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Will. (laughs) 
That is it from us today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your normal podcast provider. We'll be back next week with more delicious wines and another great guest, great company, good stories. Oh, and remember, all of the wines we tasted today are available from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. Thank you again to Adadley Kitchen and thank you to my mum for letting us drink wine in her space. Have a great time for the ashes. Thank you. We'll be tuning in. And I think there's nothing lifts the spirits more than a cold December day. And you wake up and you turn on about four o'clock in the morning. You turn on the television, put the radio on. That's what we do. Well, I, I'm working on the television. Oh, well, that's right. Turn the radio off and the television on. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books. Contacts. Calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.